0: Welcome to the World of Speakers podcast, brought to you by Speaker Hub. In each episode, we interview a professional speaker and reveal their very best tips and tricks. You'll learn to improve your presentation skills, keep your audience engaged, and learn how to grow your business to get more gigs and make more money. Here's your host, Ryan Foland.
1: Ahoy, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The World of Speakers. And truly, we are traveling across the world to meet our guest today, Cynthia Joy. She's a professional speaker, she's a voice coach, and she is an author. Welcome to the show, Cynthia. How are you doing today?
0: Sure. Thank you for having me, Ryan. I am doing very well. Well, good. You know, we're far away from each other, but...
1: It goes to show in this age that we're all connected and just beforehand we we're talking about how we have the same friend eric sim and i'm excited to you know just explore more about your story understand some of your speaking tips especially we'll take on the role play of if we are your client how you would help us with our voice and then we'll uh-huh. talk about how you build your speaking business and it sounds like you're not only a professional speaker but you have a book that you're selling and you're working with clients. So our audience has a lot to learn. But the first thing we'd like to do is learn a little bit about you. So rather than read your extensive, impressive bio, I'm just going to ask you for a little story. Story time. Can you share a story that has shaped you? Something that's memorable,
0: a moment in time? So I think this is also the story that now I share with a lot of other speakers, entrepreneurs, or my clients that uh, they always say, oh, how do I build my business? How do I get clients? So when I was uh, starting my own business, and uh, even before that, so I think uh, there was a time that I wasn't sure what to do. And then uh, I remember I was writing a a letter at the time where when the time that we still write physical letters. And so I wrote a letter to my dad sharing my frustration, sharing my kind of uh, confusion. And my dad, he was quoting someone, quoting a quote. So, of course, later on, I found out that quote was from Charlie Tremendous Jones. So the quote said, you're the same person five years from now, except two things, the people you meet and the book you read. Mm-hmm. So ever since then, I started to go out to attend different groups, different associations, different events, and that's where I met people who showed me possibilities. For example, at the time, I never knew that speaking can become a career. But first, I met a group of trainers and coaches, and then I realized, ah, those are the things I can do as well. (laughs) So I went into training and coaching field. And then from there, I met a group of speakers, professional speakers. And then when I saw them and I realized, oh, these are the things I can do as well. So I became a speaker. And of course, the books I read, I think this is clear. Most of you are aware of it. So it was really that quote that changed my past. And it is still helping me today. So I continue to meet different people to see what kind of Possibilities they are.
1: Interesting. I love that. So, you know, I'm going to have to ask what the most interesting person is that you've met so far past that book. Does one person come to mind that has made a significant impact as a result of this quote?
0: Yeah. So, some of them are my speaker friends. So, uh, for example, in the Professional Speakers Association in Singapore. So, he used to live in Singapore. Now he is relocating himself temporarily in Europe. So, he At the time, what's interesting about him, still interesting about him today, is that he only does keynote speaking, nothing else. (laughs) And uh, then we realized, of course, there's another possibility where you can only do keynote speaking and thrive at it. Right. And of course, that's another story during COVID, because (laughs) COVID, I think initially he was getting a little bit hit. So of course, but before COVID, there was a very interesting about him, and also because of the keynote speaking he was doing, he's also owning in the past. Now I'm not sure how many, but in the past he owns three islands, small islands, where he does and uh, he called them the idea islands, and he does like writing or creative projects on these islands. Sometimes he even rented out one island to anyone. No charge, as long as you are working on a creative project for a week, so you can stay on the island for one week.
1: Wow. Okay, let me pull that thread. So somebody, a person that you met, he helped to change the person that you are by helping you see that you can do one thing, do it really well, and in the speaking world, this idea of just being a keynote speaker, which if you're listening, that's not an easy thing to do because you get pulled in these different directions, you have gateway stages. You have workshops, you have people that offer you money to do things that are off of your sort of standardized keynotes. There's only certain keynotes available. There's travel involved. There's all these things. So to meet someone who showed you that there was power in that focus, I like that. Secondly, I'm not only sold on one island, I'm sold three times on an island because I'm a sailor (laughs) and a big pie in my sky of my mind's eye is to do something similar, but to bring people out on these sailing adventures to spark mm. creativity and teach what I know about speaking and share with them my business secrets as a captain of my own sort of captain in leadership, talk about yes. entrepreneurship, talk about yeah. relationships. And so I love this because to have islands that are creativity islands, yeah. I need to meet this person. So yes, we, I'll you connect need to, you with him. There we go. And Now, this is the power of this network, right? Yeah. Understanding and asking people, the people who've made an impact on their life, is sort of a shortcut to finding those people who can make a lot of impact. All right, Mm. Cynthia, we're going to do the same thing with a book. Now, what is one book, I know that there's many, but what is one book since this quote that you read that has significantly changed who you are as a
0: person now? I think there are at least two Okay, well, we'll go for two. I mean, if you
1: want to round it out, we might as well go to three.
0: (laughs) So these two, because these two, when I read them, I was uh, still in my mid or even early 20s. Okay. And they really changed my perspectives. So that's why I still always recommend these two books.
1: All right, what are uh, they?
0: Since you're asking three. So, yes, yeah. we will make it three. Well, three.
1: I mean, three is my favorite number. My whole <laughs> yes. communication methodology is a 313. There's three little bears, there's three little yes. pigs, there's three things of porridge, three bears, you three blind mice. We might as well make <laughs> it three.
0: Yes. So, the first two books, I think everyone probably also has heard of it. So, they are the classics. So, the first one is uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People.
1: Excellent. Classic. Very classic.
0: Yes. So, the key lesson that I've learned in that book is you'll have to be genuinely curious about the other person. Yeah. Be the, interested yes. to
1: have people be interested in you. Mm, I also yes. like one of his key points, which is smile more. Like uh-huh. that's the type of foundational. And sometimes when I'm on a podcast and people ask me, what's the best piece of advice I'd be like, I'll point back to Dale Carnegie. And he okay. says, Smile more. So, just some fundamental foundational stuff. Yes. All right. What's book number two?
0: The second one is the seven habits for highly effective people. For that book, I think there are quite a few golden nuggets that really changed my perspective. I think one of them, something as that seek to understand to be understood, something as that, which is that you need to understand the other person, where this person comes from first.
1: All right, now does the third book have a seven in the title? That's the real question.
0: Uh, no. The third book <laughs> okay. has three words.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. Wait, so is it ditch? Book. Does it ditch the act? Is it my book? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs>
0: uh, yes, that's your book. <laughs> <laughs> so that book, because most of the times when I finish reading a book, I give it away. Okay. So I don't I don't keep books. That's the very few books that I still keep, the third book. Because it is so helpful and it, it has so much wisdom in it. So the right. book, I think the book was published around 2007 or 2008. Okay. So the book is going to be very helpful to speakers. The title is Made to Stick.
1: Ah, yes. I've read that as well. Is that the one with the duct tape on it? Yes. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I... So you see, the book is really walking its talk. It made made It's, <laughs> it's <laughs> made stuck itself in your stick mind, in right? Me. Yes.
1: Absolutely. Okay. So that's great. It's fascinating how, you know, we're going to talk about professional speaking, and I like to always bring it back to public speaking. And I argue that if you speak in public, then you are a public speaker. And I think that we give many speeches all the time. I think that when we ask questions, they're little talks. When we tell stories, they're little tiny keynotes. And when we hear things from other people, even including quotes, A quote can be a talk or a mini speech that can change your life. And so your story that impacted you was essentially someone who, whether they're close to you or not, you heard them speak in public. And so something as powerful as a quote, and if I can rephrase it or quote, I want to make sure I get this right. So it sticks. There are two things that stand between or are the difference between who you are now and five years from now. and it's the people you meet and the books you read. Yes. Sure. I like it. So there's a little mini talk right there. But I just yes. I just yes. want to remind us all that like life and world it's all a stage and so it's fun to help people associate themselves with public speaking and you can be a professional quote public speaker not even take <laughs> a stage just share with friends. So I appreciate that. Yes. Let's dive into the art of the spoken word. Now you mm-hmm. are a speaker coach, voice coach. Yes. What do you actually
0: What is the title? How do you frame that? Uh, Okay. So uh, most people call me a voice coach. Voice coach, okay. Yes. So I help people to develop a powerful voice. So uh, some of my clients, they are either professional speakers or aspiring speakers because they use their voice to influence and inspire the audience. And then they realize, huh, the voice is not doing the work. So then we work on the voice to develop the voice to be powerful Or some of my clients, they came to me, they said, I want to sound like Morgan Freeman.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, then speak from the gut, right?
0: (laughs) Yes. So uh, that's what we do. We work on a voice mechanism to make the voice stronger, more powerful.
1: Okay. One thing that people often ask me that I'm excited to ask you is a warm-up regimen or routine. Now, I have my own that I've developed over the years. I'm a classically trained actor with a degree in theater from the University of California, Santa Barbara, as well as yes. a business economics degree. And I've had a lot of stage time and I've done a lot of directing and producing and you pick up these little things. And so I've packaged them together in my own little warm-up. Mm-hmm. A lot of times when they hear that I warm up, they go, you do what? <laughs> Absolutely. Every time before I speak, I warm up. I, I get the money maker warm. So yes. I'm curious. I'm fascinated yes. with that as a process. Do you have a go to warm up? How would you guide somebody in that? Like, share what a good warm up is, how long it is, what it includes. It might sound a little silly because some of the stuff we do is. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. So, uh, some of the things I ask my clients to do, especially if they're nervous, right? it's very simple, so simple that people don't believe it will work.
1: that's my favorite type of advice right there it's so simple and powerful but simple doesn't mean easy
0: that's right yes people always feel that really will it work so it is to do a joyful sigh Ah, like that yes (laughs) (laughs) now does it have to be over exaggerated like Uh, not necessary but of course, if you exaggerate it, it can help you lift up the mood. Okay. So it can be <sighs> as simple as, yes, yes, perfect. Uh-huh. <sighs> yes. And when it we do that. It, that does, it does make you feel a little better. Yes. When we do that, it helps you, one, is to release the held breath, release the held tension. Two is some of my clients, they start to notice the voice, especially when they're nervous, the voice will be trembling. And when they do the joyful sigh, the voice actually goes down a little bit.
1: So do you do a certain number of times? Is it a one every few minutes? Is it enough? Like, what is the mechanism Uh, and frequency? And is it right before stage? What timing Mm -hmm. works for this?
0: So it can be just three to five times before the speech. (sighs) Yes. Perfect.
1: (laughs) Uh, I feel like I changed up a little bit. And then be like, uh, (laughs) you can feel the tension in the throat as it's like, almost feels like a ujjayi breath that, you know, you have that tension. And I can imagine
0: uh,
1: after a Mm. few times, it loosens up a little bit.
0: Yes. Yes. So that's one. The other one, if they are really nervous and they feel that the voice is going to be out of control, they can do humming. Hmm.
1: Like humming a song?
0: Yes. Yes. Could be humming a song, humming any tunes like. Hmm. 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 Yes. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm.
1: Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> That's the rocket theme I was humming. It.
0: Ah, okay. So I know that some speakers, before speeches, they'll be listening to a certain song. Okay. So then, instead of just listening to that song, you can also hum that song.
1: Hmm. So yeah, a I friend of mine.
0: That's yes, a friend of mine. His favorite song before speeches is Tina Turner's. I think is "You're Simply the Best." That song. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> All right. Okay. So we have joyful sighs, <sighs> and some hum alongs. <laughs> yes. Yes. What else? Let's round it out at least with the three. I like we're sticking with three here at
0: least. Ah, uh, okay. Then the third one would be doing some breathing. Uh, so you can do some uh, long, deep breaths to slow down your body rhythm.
1: Now, are these uh, diaphragmic breathing to where you're puffing your stomach out and you're? Because I right. found a lot of people breathe incorrectly. This classic exercise, it's not like it's mine, but if I'm in yes. front of a group and we're working on voice work, I'll say, everybody take a deep breath. Put your yes. hand on your stomach and see what happens. And then afterwards, you know, big deep breath. How many people's hand went inward? And then most yeah. people are like, yeah, because you take this deep breath and you like suck inward, but it's counterintuitive. Right. The, the idea is to, when you take this deep breath, your hand should be pushed out. Your belly should get like a big beer belly.
0: That's right. Yes. Yeah. So that would be the proper breathing. Of course, the best is that you make the proper breathing a habit. Then uh, when you're nervous, you can just do it slowly to slow down the body rhythm. But if it's not a habit, when you're nervous, most of the times, it's very hard to correct it.
1: I think we need to go back in time and make the how to influence friends and uh, wait, how to win, win friends and influence mm-hmm. people. We need to add breathing in there. And then uh, the seven habits of highly effective people, we should make it eight, and we should throw in a breathing too.
0: <laughs> yes, that's right. But breathing Agreed. is
1: the single... Physiological element that you have most control over that you can reduce your stress with the, in the quickest. Like we forget how mm. quickly just a few deep calming breaths can do. When you add the diaphragmic, it does remind you. But it's very hard habit to have yeah. to breathe correctly. We get so used to all this nasally, just from the top up. We don't engage that. But we also have microphones, and so we don't we don't tend to have to ever project our voice. And if yes. we do have to project our voice, then we actually have to take it from our gut. Otherwise, we'll totally get raspy out. Mm. And so microphones do us a disservice because we just talk
0: all raspy. That's right, yes. So one of my clients, he had a very weak voice, but because he's very techy, and so he said, I have the best microphone here <laughs> whenever I'm on Zoom or video conference no one could ever tell, I couldn't protect my voice. <laughs>
1: you just got that gain just way cranked up. Like, <laughs> yeah. interesting. Okay, so those are great warm-up exercises. Just to add a few to that, I tell people to clasp their hands, open and loosen their jaw, and make some mm. noise. Uh, yes. uh, I really uh-huh. feel that that loosens up the jaw. And then also to basically eat your face, like to pinch it, like, mm, like as, as uh-huh. much as you can put your face inward, and then yes, you yes. open your face as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Ah. And then I feel like that gets all these muscles that have been dormant, ready to go. And now, if you're listening to this, I'm getting more red and ginger at the moment because like all <laughs> these blood, all the blood is rushing to my face. But it is really a musical instrument. So just like you'd warm up your instrument or your car or anything that you're gonna you're gonna work with. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right, let's go to somebody who understands a warm-up. Let's uh, maybe talk about some sort of middle range advice somebody who's still on their way up and I guess I'll take that back because I think the fun thing about speaking you can always learn more so I don't mean to say medium type of advice but what's another pivotal piece of voice coaching that you see always comes up that can be super high value maybe super simple maybe overlooked but one that you find brings a lot to someone's voice and their stage presence
0: yes so it's surprising A lot of people, they seldom or never think about this question, which is because this question will help you determine the way you are going to use your voice. So besides, for example, we know our speech, what kind of key message you want the audience to take away with at the end, what kind of action do you want them to take? But the other question is, how do you want them to feel? So that's something that's overlooked by a lot of people, because how do you want them to feel will determine how you're going to use your voice. And interestingly,
1: let's dive into that a little bit, because I have heard that before. And it's great to have your this audience perspective in mind. Yes. But I would think that as like a baseline, we can assume people want to inspire the audience or we can assume that people want to educate the audience or lift them up. Are there things outside of that, what we would just think standard that really change it? This is the first uh, question. And then yes. what do you do with your voice to make that connection happen?
0: Yes, so inspire the audience or let the, uh, you want the audience to feel inspired, that's the ultimate goal. But in order to make them feel inspired, they have to go on an emotional journey. So we cannot just all of a sudden feel inspired, right? It could be, for example, In the beginning, you want them to feel, let's just say, feel sad about something. And then after feeling sad, then they need to feel enlightened some way. And then after that, they need to feel certain way. So they need to go on an emotional journey before they reach being inspired.
1: Interesting. Now, something that I've done, which seems to be connected to this concept, I'll literally draw a graph. So on the y-axis is mood of the audience, and I just do a big happy face up on the top and a sad face at the origin. Then the x-axis is time or the time of the speech. And so as I develop a speech in these different cornerstones, I can kind of plot these points and then actually sort of put the through line through it. And you can mm. I've always visually played with that sort of yes. a graphical line. So this is what you're talking about, not just the feeling that they want to have or how they're going to feel. But the actual tactics, the storytelling, the facts, the emotions, the stories, the different elements that you're bringing them on that journey consciously, which then not only just dictates, it's not really your voice, it's really the content and the stories and the timing and things behind that.
0: Yes. That's why we say that you need to take the audience on the journey with you. So in terms of the emotion, they also need to go on a journey. For example, the other feeling some of my clients, they want the audience to have is they want them to feel hopeful. So in order to make them feel hopeful, they have to go on a journey as well. So first, it might be, for example, these few days that some clients, they said, oh, in the beginning, I'll be sharing for the past whole year. It's not easy. So just by that sentence, it conveys different emotion as well. So when you say that sentence, it's not just saying, okay, for the past few months, it's not easy. That sentence actually shows empathy, which is that you understand what they are going through. So that's why when you say that sentence, you need to feel the empathy. So that's also where the connection is, the connection between the feeling and the voice. So
1: when you're saying voice, it's not just the physical voice, it's the theoretical voice in which you are bringing people along with the journey, the sentences that you're saying, the way that you're framing it, the cadence, the tone, the mood, the structure, all that.
0: Yes. So we wouldn't say something as for the past few months, it's been challenging. So if you say it in that way, they don't feel that you are empathetic. They don't feel you understand them. Then whatever you're going to say next, they won't listen.
1: Right. So having the tone match the feeling to match the timing to match the cadence to match all that, and yes, the volume, yes. and the melody, yes. so all then, the instrument yeah. elements.
0: That's right. So then, in the end, so they need to feel it, and then you become. For the past few months, it was challenging. Then you convey the empathy. So after the empathy, then you tell them. However, we had them working on some plan. Blah blah blah. Give them the hope. And uh, so that's what we mean by you need to take them on a journey before you want them to feel hopeful, inspired.
1: Yeah. If only it was that easy to walk out and be like, feel hopeful. I want you to be inspired (laughs) right now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's dive into something that you might consider advanced. What is something that when, and I truly don't think you can ever master speaking. It's the type of thing like skateboarding. There's always a level up. There's just with, for me with sailing, there's so much more to learn and half of that if not more comes from the experience that you get Mm -hmm. and experience is only what you get after you need it. So it's this constant journey. What would be an advanced or maybe like three advanced moves that somebody who's listening, they're like, "Ah, I understand how they're going to feel. I know how my voice is. Ah, I've got my warm up, And then they're like, oh, these are three. So what let's get advanced here from a speech coach element. I'm
0: not sure whether we can uh, categorize it or make it into three, but let's see the very first thing that comes to my mind, which is also something that I've worked on over the years. And it also comes with a quote. (laughs) So the quote goes, full circle. Yes. Yes. People hear you from the level you speak. People hear you from the level or level of consciousness that you speak, Hmm. which means that we have to constantly upgrade ourselves, not only just the skills, but also our own mindset, our own emotions, our own consciousness. When you are improving and when you are reaching the next level, that's where people would hear. Like one audience member, he said, Cynthia, I heard you a couple of years ago. Now it looks like that you're giving the similar speech. But I can hear a lot of difference.
1: How does one, as a speaker, tap into that higher level or levels of consciousness? Is that yes. Like, how would you sort of dissect
0: that? Yes, it's uh, constantly working ourselves on ourselves. For example, we know one of the key things for speakers is authenticity, but some speakers they are not ready to share their own vulnerable stories Mm. they are not ready to share a lot of things about themselves they're not ready when
1: they share it's just surface level and it's not it's not really what happened
0: yes so then you have to constantly work on yourself to let go of certain things let go of the fear then you will be able to share your vulnerability in a very open, relaxed way, and people will hear and sense that. Like I was working with a client, I said, go back and think about your own personal stories. Every time she came back saying that I don't have stories, I can't remember any. But as we started talking in the sessions, I realized, I said, can't you notice you have so many stories? And then she realized, she said, I'm not ready to share those stories. (laughs) Even those stories, there's no failure or no vulnerability. She's just not ready to share her own personal stories. She's not ready to let people know more about her. So at the end of the day, you know, as a professional speaker, people don't just hear the lessons you're sharing. They hear you, you as the speaker. That's why that makes everyone stand out. If you're sharing your own stories authentically, your own authentic stories, your own struggles, your vulnerability, that's so-called your niche. That's what separates you apart. But if you're not sharing it, then people can just read all the lessons from a book. They don't need you anymore. If that speaker is not needed, then there's no more point.
1: So at that level, that's when you truly are simply your best. Yes. Better than all the rest.
0: Yes. But you're you. It's not
1: about being better. It's about being the best that you can be. And I love how you brought it back to the book. You got the quote in the book here because there's a lot of things you can read in the book. There's a lot of things that you can have in your head about the stories that you'll tell. But there is that moment on stage when you hear yourself through the microphone and you're looking in front of hundreds, if not thousands of people. And if you're truly not in that flow and comfortable with your own story, what I call to ditch the act at the highest level Mm then I do believe people pick up on that. And if there isn't that genuine authenticity, right, big buzzword that we're throwing around. But yeah, let's bring this back to conversation. If you're off stage, but you're still Mm -hmm. speaking. Yeah. You can tell when people are being straight up. You can tell when people are being really real. You can tell when people are hiding back and you're like, well, no, really, what's wrong? Like nothing. Like it's that moment where in the conversation, you know, when people are holding back, and I love this analogy to the stage. You totally know when somebody's holding back up on stage.
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: Yes. All right. So that was a good, we'll give you like one and a half, maybe 1.2 on that. Cause that, that was more than one. We'll get to three, but what's something else advanced that you can think of here? And then we'll add it all up to three. Um, that was a good one. I don't know if you can go much yes, higher than yes. higher consciousness, but it's, I'm I'm, uh, I'm yes. challenging you to be your best here.
0: Sure. So last month I gave a speech and after the speech, there were at least two other colleagues where they are also professional speakers. So they came to me, they said, Cynthia, I like the way you use pause. And then I said, really? (laughs) I never thought about where to use pause. (laughs) So then I realized that the the key is not to think about the skills. Ah, Okay, here I need to use pause. Here I need to use an inspiring voice. So something I always tell my clients as well, which is that you embody what you're speaking. Embody what you're speaking. So when you are speaking on stage, you are going through the stories you are going through the learning curves learning journey with the audience so you are in the story like I think from your acting experience then you know the actors they have to be acting in the scene that they are in
1: and when you're truly acting you're not acting you're in that moment you're in that flow Yes. Uh, a way that I, I share with some of my clients is the difference between retelling and reliving. Yes. And it's that's so right. easy yes. to default to I did this and then this happened. This person said this and this, but it's completely different when you're when you bring yourself, as you said, to be in that moment. And in that yes. moment, you may feel the urge to pause because that's naturally what is happening in your mind. Yes. As opposed to being like, I should pause right here. Yeah. <laughs> I love the concept and the power of the pause. Actually, my fourth TEDx talk is about the power of the pause. Mm, And there's so much fascinating research behind it and so much power behind your cadence. Yes. Now, that's a good, we'll give you round that out to two. And I'm going to share one that I've observed just listening to you, which I think I mean, you probably understand, but I'm going to recognize you for it. There's this suspension that you have when you're talking. I ask Mm -hmm. you about the book and you start to talk about the book, but you don't tell me what it is. And I'm like, well, what's the name of it? And then you go on and you explain, then you wait to the end and then you tell me the title. I ask you about this person and you talk about him and you tell me he has three islands before he, I don't even know what this person's name is and I want to be connected with him. So you bring this, suspense you know what I want and you sort of dance around it to help me feel like I want it so if you're listening to this I hope this isn't just me but you have this way of taking the question that I ask and then you sort of like back up a little bit and then set it up and then talk about it and then you don't fully answer it until you've got me leaning in and I think that's Mm -hmm. also very advanced okay thank you Okay, well, let's transition out of this coaching session. I feel like it was a good coaching and therapy session. (sighs) Yes. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Transitioning with a joyful sigh. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us three things that you've done to help build your business? Now, your speaking business is probably pretty tied with your coaching business, and that's Mm -hmm. often the case, so you can pick and choose. But what are three things that could apply to speakers trying to get on more stages, or speakers who have the, you know programs that they sell into that they're trying to get more clients? What would you say three yes. top pieces of advice are?
0: Yes. So the very first one, most people probably have heard of it over and over again, and uh, it is to speak pro bono. So even today, after 12 years of running my own business, I still do pro bono because you never know what will get out of it. Like, for example... I think it was in 2014 that I gave a speech pro bono. And uh, then actually after that speech, it keep on coming back with different people requesting different speeches or coaching. So uh, that's uh, the very first one, give pro bono speeches. And then the second one, of course, is to build up your own presence. So what I call the uh, omnipresence. (laughs) so you want to be omnipresent everywhere like online offline
1: building your personal brand right
0: yes yes that of course requires you to get over your own fear of being visible being judged all kinds of things yeah so that's uh people
1: forget that you're getting judged whether you're out there or not like everybody's judging everybody it's part of our nature so the quicker you get okay with it and now i'll stitch this back to that higher level consciousness of yourself, people can smell yes. it. They can sniff you out. Definitely. And the mistake that I made as I was trying to build my speaking career is I was playing into the perception that I thought people wanted. So I was dressing a certain way. I was acting a certain way. Topics were a certain way. I was I was really trying to play into that professional speaker. Mm-hmm. And I got zero traction. It was only until, you know, my experience, what I call ditch the act and actually became mm-hmm. a little bit more my quirky self own my gingerness, you know, dress what made me comfortable in my own little style. And it, like, those are the things that helped me connect with people. Yes. And it wasn't what I initially thought was wanted to be in this space. So that was mm. a, a big flash in the pan for me there. Yeah. So what do you, how do you, as you're helping people and as you're growing your own business, when you say omnipresent, I understand because that's everywhere. So mm-hmm. are you on LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat da, 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 da. like because at a certain yes, point, yes. there's so yes, many. So do you yeah. have any advice for people today in this sort of new hybrid digital yes. world? What are the top platforms that they need to be on? It's probably yes, yes. country and region specific too, right?
0: Yeah, that's right. So that's why the other thing about that, which is also kind of a caveat that <laughs> you also need to know where your audience, uh, handing around, for example, I'm not on TikTok because my audience is not there. So I am on LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram was, even Instagram was uh, kind of for the past two or three years that I start, started because I started professionally. In- initially on Instagram, it's only food and travel. Right, right, right. <laughs> but then every time when I give a speech in different continents, they ask me, do you have Instagram. Then I realize, huh? Okay, looks like that. I need to turn food and travel with a little bit professional,
1: <laughs> right? So Show uh, a little slice of life behind the scenes. They want to see that you're a human, right?
0: Yes. So, uh, yeah, it's a uh, really know where your audience is, and also hear your audience, hear them what they are asking.
1: Now, for the pro bono, are you are you selling on stage as part of your pro bono work? A transition to Direct ask for you to work with them, or is it implied, Uh, or is it that you got like? Because just going back to that, how do you? What's your nuance there?
0: It's uh, both. So one is, of course, I would imply that. I would say, for example, in my last speech, or blah blah blah. So you do need to imply. So that's one, and then in the end, I do ask. So I say that if your company is having a conference, having a regional conference. so I'm happy to uh, discuss that
1: or I'm happy so a direct to be... direct a direct ask. Because yes. I, I find yes. that if you do the pro bono work, yet you're not actually making the ask, sometimes it, yes. it backfires because no one knows to contact or to go to that next step.
0: Yes. That's also something, you know, for probably some of our listeners, they need to get over that, which is that, oh, I'm I'm asking, they may feel awkward, they may feel all kinds of things. Whenever you are feeling it, the audience can hear it. So why don't you just be open, be frank? Because there's nothing wrong. We are running a business. Then we have to ask for business. So you have to get over the fear of, oh, there's nothing wrong asking for business.
1: Okay. So we pro bono with a specific genuine ask to lead to more leads. You have your omnipresence, which is your brand, with an ear to where your audience is, listening to see where they might be. What's a final third sort of pin here that we should yes. all be looking at.
0: So the third one which is something that you will also hear from my island friend. Okay, um, so, okay. So, uh, so excited now, to meet him. His name uh, Frederick Heron. <laughs> the suspense. Wait, what? Did you say his yes. name? Frederick
1: Heron. Uh, Frederick Heron. Oh, yes. I know Frederick. Ah, uh, okay. Wait, yes. is he talking about creativity? Is yes, he yes, uh, yes. I've had him on the show. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't know that he had three islands. I'm going to hit him up and be like, "Yes, Frederick, you're holding out on me.
0: <laughs> okay, awesome. Yes. Uh, so if you go to his LinkedIn profile, you will actually see, I think one of those uh, like companies he works for is an island, creative island. <laughs> awesome, awesome. So for someone who only does keynote, you will always hear him say this, and that is give a, I'm not sure whether you can say some forbidden words here.
1: (laughs) Go for it. We're explicit. It doesn't
0: matter. Yes, something else. You have to give a damn good speech. (laughs) So you have to work on your speech and work till the way that it's whenever people hear it, saying that, oh, I have a conference. I would love to have you do the same speech for the other audience. So the There's third one is... No, that. no yes.
1: hack gets you past quality. You know, I, I work with a lot of startups and I tell them, and I believe I've heard this, I think Steve Blank or Alex Osterwilder or Eric Reese, one of the three might've said, you can't business model your way out of a shitty idea. Mm. And yeah. you can't <laughs> talk your way out of a shitty keynote.
0: <laughs> yes. You
1: can't. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, quality is the most important. Now, quality is also going to be based on your perspective, based on the audience. You know, you could have this crazy quality show, but then you bring it in front of a bunch of sixth graders and it falls flat, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes.
1: How do you define a damn good talk? If this is kind of a nebulous that we're all going after. Yes. If you're a coach and you're watching people, what is it that you're like, that is a damn good talk now? Or are, are there certain yes. elements or pillars or requirements? What do we look for?
0: So one thing, you know, we can learn is really a great movie. Mm. So I think I'm glad that you noticed that kind of becomes a habit. That's something that we want to make it a habit as well, which is that you want to build suspenses. So a good movie, they are always having suspenses along the way. And then after, not only we are being hooked to the movie, but also that along the way, we may shed tears, we may laugh. So you're eliciting all kinds of different emotions in people as well. You're taking people on a journey, on an experience. And uh, in the speech, you can notice that they are either thinking, they're either feeling or they are shedding tears, but you notice that they are deeply engaged. So that's one kind of criteria that you will know that whether it's a good speech.
1: You know, on on that note real quick, and I'll let you continue. Josh Linkner, who's been on the show a few times and a friend and an amazing speaker who totally nails it, he talks about the James Bond start. And you watch wow. any James Bond movie and right out the gates, it's like car chases and guns and crazy and blowing, like like right out the gates, like title, and then, whoa, you're into it. And yes. he uses that as an example of how to Really like instead of coming out be like hi everyone it's great to be yeah. here today in Ohio I'm really yes, happy he's like yes like that's yes. an example of a movie James Bond start which is a fun yeah. analogy there all right two other measures to know that you've got a damn good talk that yes. Frederick would be like yes and then we're gonna shut this down yes yeah. here
0: so I think I can make it three <laughs> yeah I know we're gonna we're gonna make it three we got it. <laughs> So one is the entire process, the audience is deeply engaged.
1: Yeah, the audience is watching your talk like it's a compelling movie, or yes. it could be a comedy or a romantic comedy. Yes. But think of a really good movie, and your talk should have that same type of impact. All right, that's number yes. one.
0: Yeah, that's one. And then two is that at the end, you will know that either they come up to you to share with you that what kind of things they're getting out of it, or you're starting to notice that they are taking action. So sometimes, maybe a few months later, someone sent me an email saying that, oh, I'm doing the thing that you mentioned in the speech. Then you know your speech has made a lasting impact.
1: do we it's- call that your speech shadow? I'm just making this yeah. up. Sure. Like yeah. the shadow that your speech casts, if it's a big, huge, deep shadow, like people might be, there's a like literally a, you're casting a shadow and people are lining up in that shadow. somebody emails okay. you three months later because it's shadow. That's it. You've heard it here. Your speaker shadow. TM. Yes. Even said
0: the shadow effect. The, sh- the speaker
1: shadow effect. That might be like yeah. my sixth book.
0: <laughs> yes. Good. So then the third one, if you really want to get highly paid, you have to work on that, which is humor.
1: Ah. Uh, so totally. Uh, yes. So hard. So yes. difficult. There's nothing yes. more difficult than getting that timing, the humor, the setup, the close, the story. Gosh, good point. Yes.
0: Yeah. So uh, that's something that you want to work on. And uh, that will really make your speech very enjoyable.
1: Yeah. You know, my dad always told me if you get them to laugh, you get them to learn. And so I'm always striving to find those moments of humor. If people are interested, there is a conference called the Content Marketing Conference put on by a gentleman named Byron White in mm-hmm. Boston. I've spoken at it a number of times and he has a keynote track, which is the comedy keynotes. Mm. And so he brings in these comedians who give keynotes really with a focus on being funny. And so it's this mix between standup and an actual message. And it's fascinating. They're, it's These are the people who are getting paid the big bucks. They're at the top of their game, but it takes so much work to get there. So if you're interested, Tell Byron I said hi and and check out that conference because they have every year, they bring in new comedic keynotes specifically Ah. because those are skills to take away. Yes. Well, Cynthia, I feel like we have hit the number three on the head quite a few times. And so I'm going to change the initial quote that you gave me and I'm going to share with people. Mm -hmm. Well, I kind of want to expand it. The three things that will make you a different person in three years One, the people you meet, two, the books you read, and three, the podcasts you listen to. That's right. Boom. (laughs) So speaking of podcasts, this is a good one to have to help you become a better and a more proficient and a higher paid and a more impactful and a funnier keynote speaker. Cynthia has given us all kinds of tips and tricks here today. Everything from the (sighs) joyful sigh to the fact that you are your own movie up on the stage. And if you're funny, then Frederick will say, you deserve to come on the island and hang out. If you are just a listener, I implore you to become a subscriber and get these episodes as they launch. And if you're not on Speaker Hub, you definitely should be because it's a place where you can be found, you can showcase your expertise as a speaker, you can answer call for speakers and you can search for call for speakers. And so a big shout out to them for sponsoring this for so many years. We're past that 100 episode mark. Now, Cynthia, if people want to get in touch with you and they want to bring you to their stage, what's the best way that they can find you?
0: The best way is they can go to LinkedIn and just search Cynthia Voice Coach. They should be able to find me not only on LinkedIn, but also if they can go to Google, search Cynthia Voice Coach, they'll be able to find and connect with me.
1: Nice. A bonus. Be easy to find online. And let me share with you all how I play into that. If you remember my name, Cynthia, do you remember my name? Yes, Ryan. Ryan, right? Now, if you're hearing me, you don't see this, but I have this big ginger mane. Well, it's not that big, but like, think of a mane of like a lion, like lion, Ryan, Ryan, lion, am Ryan. So now that I've got that in your brain, if you want to find me online, you just go to ryan.online. It's that simple. I'm the only Ryan.online online. You can also find me and my stick figures at stickfigure.store. And other than that, check out speakerhub.com. You got plenty of things to do now that you're empowered with more information to follow up with. On behalf of the whole, the whole world of speakers nation, Cynthia, thank you for joining us from so far away. And I'm glad that we're connected through a few degrees. We've got yes, some people to meet, some books to read, and some podcasts to put down. It's mm-hmm. been fun Thank talking you. with you. Thank you. All right. Adios, everybody. Take care. Don't forget, when you get stressed out, have a joyful, thought. I joyful sigh. Ah. It'll be all right. Adios.